This is a Broad Pods production. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Broad Radio. Here for more. Hello and welcome to this episode of Broad Radio On The Go. Thanks for joining us. If you missed our live show, it is every Tuesday between 9 and 10 Australian Eastern Standard Time and you can join us on Facebook or YouTube and it's really fun. We love to hear your comments. Uh, But here is the recap of the show from last Tuesday and it was a really fun one. Diana Noyan was Joe Stanley's co-host this week and their guests included Madonna King, who's the author of many books, including the new one, L Platers, which is about how to help teenage girls navigate the world they're in right now. Then they chatted to Nikki Hind, who was a blind fashion designer, and Lizzie Hu joined them at the end of the show to just have some fun with puns, really. I'm Jo Stanley. My co-host today is the delightful comedian, playwright, uh, podcaster, multi-talented Diana Nguyen. Thank Hi, you, my Diana. manager. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've got your CV you up do. here. Yeah. If you are joining us live today, we want to wish you, or even if you're catching up via podcast, which you can do wherever you get your podcast, Broad Radio on the go, um, but wherever you are joining us from, we wish you a good night's sleep. We hope you had a good night's <laughs> sleep last night. Because we've just established pretty much our entire team did not sleep last night and we think maybe it was the full moon. Yeah, it's a super moon as well. So it's more jacked up in the full moon. (laughs) It's a hardcore moon. (laughs) It's a hardcore moon. (laughs) (laughs) See, now I'm not really across the whole full moon thing, but you just shared with me that you really... You embrace the moon. Yeah, well, I've always embraced star signs as a teenager growing up. Uh-huh. But then my late early 30s, I started investigating about the moons and new moons, how our bodies transition. So I, was, I found that, um, can we say menstruation? You can yes. say whatever the fuck you like, though. 9902. <laughs> Um, I just found like my, my menstruation was sinking to the moon. Right. And, and apparently that's quite magical as well. So I started investigating about full moons and new moons and I realised that our women bodies and our spirits are linked to it. So um, we were just talking about it. I 
do a full moon party every month. Every uh, month? With a healer, yeah. She hosts a full moon party on Zoom, especially when we were in lockdown. Uh-huh. And she just talked about um, what that month looks like with that moon and what we should do and ask questions. It's, right. it's kind of like a little manifestation you know, How amazing. Yeah, and the retrogrades, if that's another level as well, when technology is not working, it's because of a Mercury retrograde. And so what can you learn? Like what kind mm. of questions do you ask that you can actually then, is it about setting an intention mm-hmm. for the month ahead? Yes. Well, you know, uh, if that month uh, is going to be hard, like Mars is a, Mars is about war. Mm, I hate Mars. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, um, you know, uh, what shouldn't I do? Like actually, you know, you don't need to do everything in that month if it's going to be hard for communication. Ah, so and you actually plan I, your life around that? I uh, I don't use it book to book like a you know it's a dot to dot points, but I use it as a guide to make the best mm. decisions for me. And so mm. like you know, last night we talked about not being able to sleep. It's because. It's 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 shining on it. You walked out. Of I did. Because when I don't sleep, I don't lie in bed. Oh, I can't sleep. I just go stuff this. I'm getting up, right? And because no. I've not slept basically my entire life. I remember being a teenager and just walking around my house, like when my family was asleep, just kind of looking out the window like a scary ghost. And and so last night I did exactly that. I went downstairs and I was like, is there a spotlight in our backyard? It was so bright, this moon. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Amazing. Well, and energised too. We, weirdly, I don't feel like I didn't sleep. Mm-hmm. I feel a little bit, mm, un, you know, unsettled, it's- like on edge. <laughs> So buckle up, anything yes, could happen. But it. here we go. Certainly, I don't feel that weariness that you get when you don't sleep. So the moon is kind of energizing in that yeah. way. Do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, the next mm. twenty-four hours, just get a bit of that moon tonight. Even mm. I think it's get some moon, get some moon. everyone. <laughs> See, when I when you, yeah, I, I I've never been to a full moon party, but I've always associated it with my days as a raver. <laughs> yes, but it's not that kind of party. <laughs> It's not that kind of party, is it? It's not. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, um, if you are joining us, we do hope that you got some sleep last night and you feel energised perhaps by that moon. Um, Erte says, good morning. Ask Diana about her possum situation. Oh. (laughs) What does that mean? Uh, Saturday night, 2am, I was cleaning my bedroom. It was a mess, which is the state of my mind sometimes. And I looked up and there was a possum looking at me. In your room? On my bed. (gasps) It's on my Instagram. It's a documentary. From <laughs> 2 to 3 a.m., I was trying to get this, called the police, the North Fitzroy Police Station, like directly to them and said, hey, no one's home to help me with the possum. Can you please come over? And they said, no, we can't help with possums. But here's the wildlife hotline. <laughs> Is the possum breaking and entering? <laughs> yes, it did. Is the possum stealing anything? But, we can't do anything But otherwise. the thing that gets me is that how long had it been sitting there? Because I was yeah. on that floor for two hours. Oh, my God, <laughs> Possums can be really vicious too. Yeah, no, this one was drowsy. Oh, okay. It was, yeah, it just sat there looking at me. Oh, it was probably freaking out going, how did I get in here? And how do I get out again? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, how did you? How did we you? don't know. I closed my bedroom door, slept on the couch, walked in, and it was gone. Unless it's hiding on my bed and breeding. Like I feel, I feel you need to investigate that, Diana. I know it's not hasn't appeared on my bed in the last forty eight hours. So wow, I'm here. 
<laughs> that is an extraordinary story, and we must stay up to date with Possum Gate as we are going. <laughs> Do keep us informed. Um, another thing that has happened over the last 24 hours, of course, uh, yesterday was Queen's birthday, so mm-hmm. the Queen's birthday honours were awarded, and I was really pleased to see that 40% of the recipients overall were uh, women, mm-hmm. which is an improvement. Yes. Um, it's a really important thing. And actually, there's a really fantastic movement um, that's been taking place over Australia for the last, you know, quite a few years to really see more women nominated, which is up to us. Mm-hmm. We have to nominate have the to women nominate. in our lives mm-hmm. and make an, an effort to nominate amazing women um, because it actually is really critical that women are recognised and traditionally have not been recognised. And I was so thrilled to see... Actually, one of our very first guests, she was a guest on Broad Radio in our fourth show last year on Australia Day, or I should say Invasion Day, um, 26th of January last year, uh, Catherine Fox, who she received an AOS Day for Service to Journalism and Gender Equality and Diversity. And we actually asked her, because she is fronting this movement to see more women being um, awarded. And she last year explained why it is so important for women to be awarded and have a listen. Awards to women is particularly important because women are penalised still in our society when they um, speak up for themselves, for example. Um, They're, you know, accused of big noting themselves. It's just not seen as congruent with being feminine. Um, It's a very age-old stereotype, in fact, and it's not something innate. We're not born with a modesty gene, but it is something that we get reflected back to us. So a, a woman who's outspoken about what she's achieved or, in fact, even dare I say assertive often finds that she gets great deals of pushback um, and therefore that's why I think it's actually even more important that we make a real effort to do this Mm, I love what she's saying Mm. there that it's not an innate thing that we be modest we've just been told Mm. not to share our successes and not to be confident in ourselves in that way I'm so opposite from that I do share too much (laughs) You know me on LinkedIn. I'm I'm just oversharing my successes. That's on, amazing. Yeah, though. I think I've hopped that hurdle. Why do you have that in you? Because it's the only way I, I get seen and like it proved to me that I've worked so long. Mm. Like I've like held on to this industry that I, I'm devoted to. Yeah, and it's yeah I, I count my my involvement in this industry as as if it's my birthday. You know, yeah. like I've made it this year. I haven't given up on my dream. I, I'm still disappointing my mum, but I'm still, <laughs> I'm still going for it. So you are, and you are enjoying incredible success because of their partly your talent, but also <laughs> your incredible hard work, right? Yeah. But you did receive an award. Yes. You were number one in the forty under forty Asian Australians. Under right? forty, correct? Congratulations. <laughs> yes. um, did that award make a difference for you? For me, um, I was very honoured to receive that award because that was selected by a panel uh, of Asian Australians but also people in the industry who uh, wanted to highlight successful Asian Australians, which we don't see in you know, Australian media. Um, and you know, we were talking about before, like for a good 48 hours, I was promoted everywhere and then I disappeared. And that's what re- usually happens with um, diverse 
people, we we kind of are celebrated, the tokenized, mm. and then we're let go, and then we have to keep working again. And that's why I say I have to keep promoting myself so that people can see I'm still working. Because mm. if I disappear, then you won't know who I am. I will be irrelevant. Yeah. I and that that uh, saddens me enormously mm. that mm. you are working so hard to remain front of mind yes. in that way. Yeah. And and I, and that also explains why you do promote yourself and your successes I love that you do that because it's not something I mean I will say I've never received an award so from that point of view (laughs) get the website (laughs) that wasn't a hint but um, but I would say that I um I've exactly what Elizabeth was saying Mm. there I'm not someone who naturally will celebrate or push myself forward and say hey guys I've done this and actually to the point where I know now because I have fact checked it a thousand times Mm. and also I now have had other people say it to me so I'm this is something I it took me a long time to be able to own and say that I'm the only woman I believe in Australia but definitely in Melbourne to have taken two breakfast radio shows to number one on two different networks right now, that's actually a that's, massive achievement. That is a massive but achievement. But I have been terrified to say that publicly. No, you need to say that constantly. <laughs> should be on your LinkedIn bio. Hi there, I'm Jo Stanley <laughs> and I've taken two breakfast radios. <laughs> is that what I should do wherever yes. I go? No, I find it really, really hard to say because I'm terrified someone will come up and actually smack me across no. the face and say, A, you're wrong and B, don't say it. But as a person who just received that, I'm like, I'm, I'm in awe and I didn't know oh. that. Well, don't be in awe. I know you were one, but I didn't know two. <laughs> I've done two. That's how old I am. But, you know, <laughs> anyway, so, and I'm seeing from Stacey says, you should, Joe. No one will challenge it. Well, that's true. Who's mm. going to fact check yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> and also, how many men particularly go around saying things that aren't true that's all the time? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say that. Thanks, Stacey. I feel very <laughs> empowered in that. Mm. Anyway, so um, it's really wonderful to see the women that were awarded and I hear that actually Victoria had 50% of women. That was fantastic for Go Victoria. Um, I, want to, I want to just mention two, three amazing women um, that I noticed who were awarded mm. yesterday. There was, uh, let me see, Ro, bring a photo over. We'll just, uh, we'll go with that one there. That's Phyllis Murphy. She's 98. Wow. And she received an AO yesterday for services to architects and heritage conservation imagine she's 98 right so she was doing incredible things in the 50s Mm. and it's taken this long for her to get an award okay love that then we have um this is carolyn steadman and her husband david who have fostered 74 children over 46 years incredible and look at beautiful muriel picton who played for australia from 1952 to 1970 including seven years as captain and she represented Australia in hockey between 59 and 62. And she was recognised for championing women's sport in a time when it was completely self-funded and was seen as a hobby. Oh, my gosh, I love those women. And I love that they were awarded. How fantastic. My goodness, we need to introduce our first guest. I just saw the time. <laughs> Who cares? We don't answer to anyone. Um, our first guest today is an award-winning journalist and author of more than three decades. She's been the voice of ABC Mornings in Queensland Radio. She appears regularly on TV, including the drama and Q&A, and her books are such brilliantly researched explorations of really interesting people, and her latest being Teenage Girls. Good morning, Madonna King. Good morning. Oh, my gosh. I did say earlier, (laughs) and I'll say again, Madonna, my daughter is 13, and I read your book. Firstly, these girls, you, you interviewed a thousand teenage girls who shared such incredible 
like honest, you know, deeply held feelings, which is rare because those girls don't tend to share that age. Well, they don't tend to share with mum and dad Mm. maybe. And I said, one girl said, oh, I've got an eating problem. Um, I wish I could tell someone. And I said, oh, have you told, talk to your mum? And she said, no. And the funny thing is they found it easier to talk to a stranger than their parents. And that's not because we're doing anything wrong. It's just they're so awkward at this stage. They feel awkward. They can't really laugh at themselves in a way that we laughed at ourselves. And I think the end result of that is they tend to feel as though they can get things off their chest more so with friends or strangers than their than their mum and dad. Certainly at 13, 14. I think they do come back to us when they're 16 and 17. So what are the biggest challenges you heard that your 16, 17-year-old young woman, I'm going to say, because they're on the precipice of just hopefully an adult adventure for themselves, what, what are their greatest challenges? This made me cry. The main one is their mental health. So I asked a thousand of them, what is your biggest challenge today? 700 of them. 700 of them nominated a mental health challenge. Anorexia, anxiety, depression, self-harm, school refusal, massive anxiety, eating disorders. And there's a couple that I hadn't come across. I don't know, Joe, if you've heard of disordered eating called chewing and spitting, where they Mm. chew and spit it out so they get the taste but not the calories. Or another one, orthorexia, where it may start with a green juice. They'll only put into their body something that is really pure. So it might start with a smoothie and then they'll get rid of wheat and then they'll get rid of preservatives and then sugar and then dairy. And they reduce to eating a tiny amount of things. Um, And I found that just heartbreaking. When we were that age, can you imagine putting a mental health challenge as our biggest challenge um mine was finding a partner for the school formal or getting a mm. part-time job or you know convincing mum and dad that i could go out on friday night and and i know that those challenges have always been there but we have a big problem in this community when seven in ten girls nominate that as their number one challenge mm. and i think that kind of leads into others I wish we would talk about COVID more. You know, we're saying, oh, great, get on with life, it's over. But it's not. And I think if you think of what you did when you were 16, die you too, what did you do at 16 and 17 that was a bit naughty? You know, we made calculated risks, we made mistakes, but we learnt skills out of that. Mm. Whether you live in a city like Melbourne, which had lockdown for 250 days, or Brisbane or Adelaide, It doesn't matter. It was the uncertainty that was cancelling things. And we are now seeing girls go to first year university who are acting more like 15 year olds than 18 year olds. And we're not talking about that. One, I'll shut up after this, but one Mm. guy I Um, because I got the 1,000 answers and then went to school psychologists and school principals and teen counsellors, etc. And um, the demographer, Mark McCrindle, said to me that from a health perspective, the aged were most vulnerable in COVID. But from every other perspective, particularly socially and economic, it was teenagers. And we're just not addressing that. I read the chapter uh, on social media and, you know, with the whole lockdowns, particularly here in Melbourne, yeah. Social media must have amped up for a lot of Melbourneian teenagers because 
now we were you know, schooling was now at home they had no interaction with their teachers um, and yeah. I got a little quote here it's not about reducing social media but it's actually reducing the comparison they have to each other um, that yeah. you wrote in there um, are you worried about th these L platers that are coming out into the world now I think comparison is a disease mm. and girls upwardly compare where boys don't necessarily. So they're looking at someone richer, prettier, thinner, and there is a direct link then between their moods and anxiety and how they see themselves. You know, our teenagers are absolutely awesome in their inclusivity, but then they're brutal in their self-judgment. And two things stood out in social in remote learning in Melbourne to me. One was really clever girls in year 12 who decided they would not go on to university. And that's because at first they skipped through their lessons, but come the second year, what do you do? You, you study all day, then you get up, walk around the kitchen table and sit back down and study for another five hours. They just wanted the end of lockdown, the end of school and the end of study. And, you know, Joe, you just put up those beautiful pictures of award-winning women. Mm -hmm. These are girls like that in years to come. Yeah. All lost the motivation the other thing i discovered in melbourne was kids starting serious relationships earlier with the support of their family so let's say i'm in grade 10 and i had a a, a young boyfriend because parents wanted them to stay connected because there was that five kilometer radius i found many cases where parents said look why don't you spend time together because at least they were connecting with another human being. And that was quite a widespread phenomenon. And I'm not judging it one way or the other, but I'm just saying COVID changed their trajectory around relationships as well. So talking of relationships then, that one of the most powerful chapters, and I know that it's also there's been an excerpt in the um, Sydney Morning Herald as well, of your chapter about gender. Um, yeah which is a new thing as well now uh i'm not suggesting that uh, gender fluid fluidity is new but the conversation the language the yeah. the actual acceptance of it because i think at schools now it's just standard that you have lots of non-binary kids mm. um, it's standard you have lots of, but but it's standard that, that you have lots of non-binary kids but I don't think anyone's dealing with that, Joe. Right. You know, I don't think schools are dealing with it. They're still dressing girls in little uniforms. Mm. They're, they're not having unisex toilets. Um, they're making them use their the, the name they were born in. They're refusing to accept that they want to be referred to as they. And, you know, what we saw in this election campaign was a wedge issue yes. where just made me feel sick for that very small proportion of children who are transgender. It's only 1.3%. But another 15% of girls will wonder in the same way we might have wondered whether we were goth or whether we were whatever. You know, that's a normal to go through that journey. But then there's another 15 to 30% who just want to provide space for their friends. And I think that's a lovely thing, but it's creating all hell particularly in single sex schools i think so how do we support our young women one stacy who's uh, watching right now she says is there such a thing as safe social media and what's the right right way to support our girls there but really in general how can we support them through this incredibly difficult time 
Some of your older listeners will know of that um, still face experiment. I don't know, it was 30 years ago or something. And they put mothers opposite their babies and asked them to stay expressionless. And the kids became distressed. Researchers in New South Wales did the same thing last year with breasting, people who were breastfeeding and scrolling through their texts. And the children became similarly distressed. Hmm. Social media is their life and it is not going to change. And I'm a big supporter of social media. I think we've just got to teach them how to use it. And I think we probably have to teach ourselves, don't we? You know, I find myself in a cure to shopping centre and I'll pull out my phone not to waste time. I think the biggest antidote is white space. Lying on the trampoline and looking at the stars, reading a book, just stopping. One school principal said to me in Adelaide, I think it was, said, just get them not to touch their phone for 10 minutes in the morning when they're 17. And once they know they can do it for 10 minutes, and that seems just ridiculous, but you know how many girls struggle with not just reaching for it immediately? So I think... um, I think another thing that has proved really successful is getting the girls together and saying, you work out the parameters. So what about a deal where you don't text after midnight if Mm. they're 17 or 18? Or, you know, we have friends who answer us straight away on social media and others who take five days. And we as adults don't take offence. We think, oh, that's Marg. She'll get back to me in five days. We've got to teach our children that too, that it's not a reflection on them that someone's not just answering them immediately. Yeah, I think um, even that note about um, what you wrote, nothing good happens after midnight, isn't just for teenagers, but for adults <laughs> as well. for all of us, absolutely. <laughs> well, do you know, there was a, a lovely lady called Dr. Christy Goodwin, who's probably one of Australia's best social media um, advisors who gave me that. She said, the exact quote was, um, social media is just like footballers, nothing good happens after midnight. <laughs> yeah. And she's married to a footballer. Oh, funny. <laughs> I used to say nothing happened, nothing good happens after two a.m. But I have moved it now to maybe <laughs> maybe eleven p.m. I don't know as oh, I get God. old. Nine <laughs> p.m. So, so Madonna, I mean, I feel like our kids. There's so much expectation of them to be mini adults. You know, these conversations because I, I talk at schools a lot, and often girls will ask me. Uh, you know, I don't have a purpose. What do I do if I feel like there's no purpose or I haven't got any goals? And I'm like, don't have goals. You, do, you don't need them. And you know what? I'm I'm almost 50 and I've only just started really knowing what my purpose is. But we ask oh our God. kids to be adults, you know? You don't look anything like 50. Mm, it's good lighting, Madonna. That's all I'll <laughs> say. Okay. I need some of that lighting. <laughs> <laughs> look. No, that is a really interesting question because I think um, they do struggle with a purpose and they want to know where they're going. And I think what complicates that is when we were their age, we didn't have what they have. I remember growing up in country Queensland and you could choose tennis or tennis as a sport <laughs> um, and an extra curricular activity was speech and drama or speech and drama. Now my kids go to a school where there's something like 25 different extracurricular activities. And I think they have this smorgasbord of life and they're grazers. They don't know what to choose and for how long, whether it's career or sport or social activity. And someone expert said to me, they think they're frozen in fear. Mm. And I think that reflects the questions you get when you go and talk, Joe. that there's so much choice, they don't know where to actually, you know, look 
or go mm. and they mm. have the purpose to be able to do that. So then if as per, as a parent of a teenage daughter, but I think all of us, our role is to role model mm. this generation into being, as you described them, the next generation of leaders. Yeah. How can we help them? How can we role model them? So many pieces of advice, but let me give you one. Particularly at the age of your daughter, 13, 14, let them fail. And it sounds so easy, but it's hard to watch them fail and burst out crying, to know they're not going to, to, to pass something. I don't necessarily mean academically. I just mean apply for a leadership position and don't get it. Try out for the A netball team and don't get near it because there is no doubt that failure is the first step towards success. And you don't want them to fail so much when they're 21 and 22 and 23, but they are going to if they don't fail earlier. And um, I ask girls, confident girls, why are you so confident? And that is one thing that, that just occurred over and over again. They'd been really bad at something. Mm -hmm. There's this leadership expert at UQ, and I spent some time with him, and he did a study of the top 30 female CEOs in Australia. He found that 28 of them had had serious trauma in their life. Not a little bit of trauma, serious trauma. What does that say? They learnt to deal with that and they've gone on to be one of Australia's top CEOs. Wow. And I think schools now mollycoddle our kids. They look at drafts. We help them with their homework. Mia culpa here. You know, I kind of wish. My girls are 17 and 18. And, and every time they fail now, I go, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. But to see the heartache just makes me cry when I go to bed at night because, you know, big kids, big fails. Little mm. kids, little kids. And I think if your child, even if they're 25, just, you know, because it's no use just roller skating through school, going out with someone you adore the night before your exams, they call it off no. because it's really hard to get over. But if you've done that before or if you've had to pick yourself up, you think, all right, this helped. I went for a run or I played ABBA. Well, not ABBA, but, you know, it's coming back. Um, really, really. <laughs> Or they just develop this mechanism to cope. And, you know, you think of your lives. What did you? What did you fail? It's and what everything. Did yeah, me everything. Too. <laughs> still, still <laughs> failing. Still <laughs> failing. But um, that is such wonderful advice. And you're right that it's much easier said than done. Because as a parent, you want to protect your child from any pain. And you, yeah. to step away and go, oh my gosh, she's devastated, and I have to let that happen. Mm. That's really, really hard. But that's that is on us as parents. Uh, Madonna, thank you so much for your incredible work. Your, your your research is incredible, and and I just I found it really, really um, mind shifting for me to read your book. So thank you so much. My pleasure, and thanks. For Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Having me. Diana, you and I both love fashion and we're passionate about diversity and inclusion as well. So I'm really thrilled to be speaking with our next guest. She's Australia's first blind fashion designer and founder of the label Blind Grit, Nikki Hind. Hi there. Hello. How are you? Oh, it's great to see you on our show and to listen to your story. Can you tell us what led you to become a fashion designer? Gosh, and um, I've just been sitting here listening to wonderful madonna um and i mean there's there's no doubt that that uh trauma and hardship and i guess um kind of failing at life in many ways got me there um i i loved fashion design when i was young it was that happy place i'd go to in my head you know creating designs in my head when I was daydreaming and as a as a teenager I would um I couldn't sew and I didn't have a sewing machine and I'd I'd cut things go and buy material and cut things out and not from a pattern just think I wanted about this shape and cut it out and staple it together and wear it to the school socials Mm -hmm. um very 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 daggy (laughs) But I thought that was not very practical, so I, I kind of went along practical paths. And when I had a stroke at the same time as I became a mum in my early 30s, the things that I was doing for work, those practical things that I had been doing for work, uh, they were no longer an option once I tried to get back into the to the workforce because this was now... Um, this was now 17, 18 years ago. Um, oh, look, you've got my cat in the picture. Um, and I, I mean, I think it's changing now, not as, not as much as we need it to change, but it's changing. And I just could not get back into event management and public relations because I couldn't drive. I, I can't, I'm, I'm slow. I can read and I can use a computer to write and there wasn't the technology there so I reached for a dream and aspiration with with that idea of it um you know being being strong enough to to pull you out of the the rather dark place I was in at the time and a dark place with two beautiful bright shiny boys is no place to be I did not want to be in a dark place as a mummy of two beautiful boys I wanted to be back in a bright place so that was um that was the beginning of blind grit uh well the very seeds of blind grit so that was that was when I started in my late 30s it's um I can't even imagine how so you had a newborn and you had a stroke and so you were navigating two incredibly new and discombobulating and often very, well, having a newborn can be traumatic as well. And mm-hmm. you're managing an, a chronic illness. And how did you navigate that? 
Um, well, I had, yeah, I had the stroke when I was pregnant with, with Darcy, with, with my eldest. And look, I just, I, I just love listening to Madonna there. I'm just nodding away in the background thinking, yes, yes, yes. I, I mean, growing up, I had numerous, numerous things that were, um, numerous, numerous things. That's, that's possibly a bit of an exaggeration. I had quite a few things that were, for me, as, um, as traumatic as losing one's vision. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had practice because people ask me this question a lot and I tend to answer I'm an optimist and I am an optimist. However, I did have good grounding. I'd already had a lifetime of grounding in how to deal with with trauma, which is literally something that feels threatening to your, you know, well-being or life that's out of your control. And I mean, you know, in all honesty, I'm. It's very good because the the blindness came into my life at the same time as my beautiful boys, as becoming a mum. And um, I think, like many many people, especially maybe people who've survived trauma in the past um it's you know they were they were my savior in terms of letting me know who I was who I was um and what I could offer these beautiful little beings rather than wondering and reacting to what what people thought I was and this you know the narrative that others had given me in in my life so the legal blindness really took a back seat, and I say this all the time. It took a back seat because the, you know, my little baby needed me, and um, and gosh, I needed him. He's is is divine, which is not to um, underplay the difficulty. It was difficult. It was difficult, but I was so, you know, it came into my life at the same time as completely falling in love with being a mum and having these two boys. Mm. It's, it's so inspiring. I'm not a mother myself, but just hearing that your boys are the shining light and they led, you know, you to ha- have that inside of you, that light. Um, I'm yeah. curious, when did you realise that the texture of fabric was going to, you know, that that relove of text, uh, texture would be part of your new career and creating your brand? Um. Well, it was actually... It, it wasn't until the boys were, um, gosh, how old were they? They were, I think, five and seven. And um, true, true, seemingly to the rest of my, <laughs> to the rest of my story, the younger part of my story, there were some other, there are a couple of other really traumatic, horrible things that happened um, post becoming blind as, as well, and that had left me in this um yeah in this horrible 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 place of having you know no confidence and 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 feeling afraid and like the world is so heavy so yeah it it was so the joy of texture and fabric and fashion has been there 
honestly, it's been there since I was a kid. I was mm. a kid who loved to play dress ups. I was a kid who, um, you know, would dress up and do concerts. I was a teenager then who, you know, went and bought, it was the, the 80s, you know, um, electric blue satin and purple stretch lace and sure. stapled it together and did you have a then, bubble skirt nikki oh my <laughs> god I, I, they're coming back in i saw them i'm seeing them around I, I knew they would i knew they would i was so jealous of the girls who had bubble skirts in the 80s well i i spent way too much money on a on a bubble skirt for the amount of money i had and then almost instantly regretted it and had almost nowhere to wear it, but I did love it. <laughs> it was truly, truly fabulous, yeah. Yeah. And so now you launched Blind Grit, which um, is, you know, we're seeing your your uh, your uh, recent line mm. at the moment. Um, I believe this is your first ready-to-wear line that you've uh, launched and you've been in Australian Fashion Weeks and... Um, so it's it's an incredible thing that you're doing. I mean, anyone who's able to launch, launch a label is, I think, extraordinary because yes. the the competition in the country <laughs> yes. is insane, right? Um, yeah. But fashion is not necessarily known as a very inclusive industry. Was it? Were there barriers for you? Yeah, look, for sure. And I think it's a double-sided coin as well, especially in the beginning, because there certainly were barriers. And, you know, when I would when I would tell people and still when I, because I don't look blind. I don't think I look blind anyway. And, um, you know, and when, when I tell people, um, when people do know I'm blind and they ask, what do I do? And I say, I'm a fashion designer still, the usual reaction is is a literal laugh out loud, like, God, that doesn't fit together. Um, and, you know, when I was going through the journey of creating Blind Grit, that, you know, this is something that I've, that I've told many times, there was a, a mentor along the way. Well, he was supposed to be mentoring me, one of Australia's leading social business mentors, because I'd won an award for the business model of Blind Grit, um, who ended up telling me, in absolute frustration after kind of nearly two hours of berating me about, you know, trying to trying to work out what I what I couldn't do, I think is what he was trying to work out. Um, he ended up just kind of bursting out and saying, but you can't do this and neither can they, they meaning people who survive trauma and live with disability. And I was But do what? what? What is it that he was saying you couldn't do? Start a fashion label. Oh, but why? Mm. <laughs> I know, I, I know, and um, and I, I was really heartbroken, and not so much for the berating, but for the just the because oh, I know, and I'm sure many other people who live with disability, especially disability leaders, who are you know trying to get the message out of the strengths and the values that those who live with disability can bring um you can feel you know the kind of insidious undercurrent of um of devaluing and it's devaluing based based on not understanding you know we don't have many examples the more examples we have of people doing interesting good things um you know being part of teams who make great decisions, the more people with lived experience of disability that 
can show a track record of that, you know, the more that insidious social, um, you know, idea will, will dissipate. But I was heartbroken because I thought, wow, you know, I, I get so excited and I about what disability can bring and what I can do and what others can do. And then, you know, it, it, it felt like that, um, you, you know, that, um, you know, that real welfare mentality of we'll let you know how we can help you and what mm. you can do, you know, don't, don't be above your station. And I'd been told earlier that day by, um, by a woman who'd been listening to, you know, the pictures and things, um, she said, oh, that's a very lofty idea. And I thought, gosh, that's, um, you know, mm, just mm. Thing, things like that. And, and you know, in response to that man, initially I thought, shit, my God, you know, you're the, you're, you're the expert. You would know, you know, it's very hard. He's, he, he's had so many successes and, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but then, you know, there is a real sense of, um, I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. I really think we can do this. Because just to clarify, Blind Grit is built entirely of and around those who live with disability. That's the whole concept behind mm. it. Because there is no fashion label like that in, in the whole world, not just in Australia, in the world, there is no fashion label Um because I speak a lot about, you know, the decisions behind things that get done. And, of course, for me, things that get done in fashion, they need to be made by those with lived experience as well mm. for genuine inclusivity. Um, so, you know, that's what he was saying couldn't be done. Me leading it with other people with disabilities, and I include surviving trauma in that, post-traumatic stress, um, uh so that's what he was saying. And I thought, wow, I think you are so wrong, you know, because I know the work that goes into, I know the personal work that no one sees in surviving trauma and living with disability. I know my strengths. Um, they are quiet, invisible strengths, but I know them. Mm. And I thought, if you are right, I want to know why. So I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep doing this because you could be right. Maybe I can't do this and maybe we can't do this, but we should be able to do it. And if we can't, I want to know why, because it's not because we're disabled. It's something else. That is so powerful. Yeah. I Two things I just wrote down there. I think you're wrong. What a powerful thing to a, say to yourself and to say out loud, I just think that's incredible how many times we if I if we could just gift that to everybody yeah. the, the the freedom to always say mm, I think you're wrong and I've had that someone say that yeah. to me you can't do that yeah yeah and we've proved them both wrong yeah <laughs> I think you're wrong and yeah. quiet, I think they were wrong yeah <laughs> and quiet invisible strengths oh my gosh I just love that Nikki just to hear that you, you know, we all have quite invisible strengths and we our do. voice, we have that inner voice that tells us that they're not actually a strength. Mm. Exactly. They're nothing. Yeah. Yeah. They're nothing mm. if they're not seen and not, someone's not paying you big dollars for it. Mm. Um, well, we mm. just, um, we love Blind Grit and tell us very quickly, your, your current um, line is uh, available. 
at the moment we can purchase these? It finally is. It's been a long time coming. So this is our first retail collection. It is available and not only is, so this is the, we're going to have a couple of things going on. This is our um, couture or runway designer um, component of our retail collection. And we're going to, um, we're going to also have some more kind of off the hanger stuff as well in a, in a week or so, but yeah, please, please have a look and see that handsome young man there. Mm Mm-hmm. That's my son. That's Darcy that I was talking about. Oh, look at Darcy. <laughs> Not that I'm a proud mum. It's a family oh. family business. You should be a proud mum. That's beautiful. I love he had that. To step in. He had to step in because of COVID. Oh. A couple of the models couldn't turn up and I said, Darcy, can you please? He's such a good boy. I know because a, a, a lot of kids would say... I couldn't bear it, Mum. I'm not doing your thing. So he is a good boy for doing that. So head along. The website is blindgrit.com. Is that right? Yes, Yes. blind blind grit. I should have written that in my notes. Um, Blindgrit.com. Head along and uh, pick up there. I really love it. It's like sort of got a, it feels a little bit of a a hybrid of of fashion and active wear, which. is very on on trend after the years that we've yeah. had at home. <laughs> yeah, I made up a totally new. I made up a totally new um, genre of fashion. I totes made it up. You I totes did. I, I love totes did. It's street fit gear. Street fit gear. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nikki. It's been a delight to hear your story. Thank you so so much. Broad Radio, talking inspo we love, info we need and sharing more of us. Watch and listen live every Tuesday, 9am, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at broadradio.com.au or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call on 1300 8 Broad. Catch up on demand anytime, anywhere, every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2am existential crisis, we've got you covered. Broad Radio, here for more. Well, I'm so excited to bring two good friends together as I I introduce (laughs) a comedian whose name lends itself to some fabulous puns and I've had a good good time with myself over the last 24 hours Great, we're gonna hear coming them. up with this uh, her <laughs> recent comedy shows include who dis who am i and now who cares it's lizzie who hi there lizzie oh i can't hear you i don't know what's hi, happening lizzie. are you there let's try again say hello hello mm, no we're going to ask you to maybe jump out and jump back in with your link while she's doing that, Diana, yes, just wanted to ask you about your Melbourne Theatre Comedy, Melbourne, <laughs> can I suppose, MTC, <laughs> Melbourne Theatre Company, yes, show that you have written. I know. It's, co- it's co-written with Petra Caleb, um, and it's going to have a world premiere in two months. Uh, it's amazing. It's, it was a lockdown project. It started in August 2020, wrote a play on Zoom. <laughs> it's incredible. It is an adaptation yes. of the Alice Pong book Lorinda, yes. and it's um, it's an incredible achievement to write a play that MTC then put on. 
Yeah. I mean, they commissioned you though, they, right? Yeah, they did um, commission us. Well, we did get a grant and then we wrote it. And then Petra, because she's also the director of this play. Mm. So she's been working on this for two years now. I, um, she's, She loves this play and wanted to have it seen. Mm. You know what Nikki talked about, having it seen. And for the first time, I think... I'm saying it like you're do it, top do two. It. it is probably the first ever Vietnamese Australian family play ever at MTC. There's going to be spoken Vietnamese language on stage. And I've been crying <laughs> oh, when we've been doing the reading. Like last week I was crying just reading it um, mm. just to hear my mum's native tongue on stage. Oh, on Australian beautiful. stages. I know, it's amazing. And you can purchase tickets to head along to see this play at mtc.com.au. And honestly, what what a, I'm just in awe mm. that you've done that. <laughs> it's done, done a lot. Babe, it's brilliant. So, <laughs> yeah, you. head along and see that. I think we've got Lizzie back. Hi there, Lizzie. Hi, Lizzie. Hi. Hi. Yay. Yay. We can hear you Good. and see you. Um, so I did say that I did a little, you know, brainstorm with myself with oh, your name last good. night. So because <laughs> I know, like, for a long time, Will Anderson, he's known for the puns and the comedy festival yeah. shows that he pulls together with his name, like Willarius, yeah. and, you know, on and on it goes. So who is amazing and um, I, I'll just pitch to you. I mean, there's who are you and who's talking, yeah. which is pretty good. good. Yeah, yes. yeah. Have you got a long list yourself? Because I don't want to. I a could, full career. Mm. <laughs> yeah. What's that? It's a full career of shows that Joe could yeah. be helping you with. I've got oh, more if see. you want. <laughs> yeah, no, please send them to me. Um, there's, yeah, Woohoo. Oh, um, good one. <laughs> Yeah, all like, there's so many that you could yeah. do. Who let the dogs out? Oh, who let the dogs out? <laughs> yeah. Who farted? <laughs> that could be my kids' book. <laughs> yes, perfect. I love it. It's so great. So you are doing a replay of your comedy festival show, A Comedy Republic, in Melbourne, and I don't know if you're touring again with your show at all. Um, maybe. Mm. Uh, I think it'll just be this one show at Comedy Republic in Melbourne and they're doing a few, uh, they're bringing back a few shows mm. uh, from the festival, which is great. Um, but, yeah, may- maybe it will pop up later in the year, but no plans mm. as yet. Well, Lizzie and I were in Brisbane together. We saw each other uh, late April, was it May? Late May. And yeah. we had to do a... Um, a publicity shoot for a newspaper and I just remember the last time I saw Lizzie was we had to do a hand shoot like we had to show oh, on this yeah. photo that we were comedians oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah they love that comedians yeah. have to have their hands yeah. out oh yeah because otherwise I think, said, I think the photographer said otherwise they won't know you're funny yeah and it's like I don't <laughs> it was Cause, great because that's funny. Yes, don't you know to to do a sp- bit yeah. of spirit hands. Yeah, there's there's yeah. people or people like like you to put your thumbs up, like you're going oh to the camera, like hey, I'm happy because yeah. I got my thumb. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How do we know you're funny, Lizzie? This is the problem. Ah, uh, well, you can come to a show and find out for yourself. <laughs> I think. Um, I don't know. I've got a few things online you can go and watch. Now, I mean, when did you know you were funny? Everyone. Oh, when did I know? Oh, I don't know. I think I've got I've got a funny family, so we joke yes. around a lot. So I think coming from that environment, um, where it was very like roast based comedy. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> to the outside world, I was like, oh, I think I could do comedy. I think I've got a sense of humour. Lizzie's family is very funny. Yeah. Mm, they're all like big. I've got probably the smallest personality in my family. Um, everyone else is big. They're big, 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 big personalities. Um, very funny characters. Um, Liz's brother, who's from Bali, he came to see her show, and he after his show, he did the whole twenty dollar. Can you tell that story? Yeah, so he lives in Bali, and he's a he's a content creator. He's a YouTuber, and he <laughs> had this idea after my show. So they came to my show. First time I'd seen him in three years, and he said to me, "He's like, oh, I want to do a one-minute video promo for your show." And I was like, "Yeah, okay." Um, I was like, "You don't have to, honestly. It's fine." Uh, but he did it, and he what he did was ask all these people after my show whether they wanted their money back. <laughs> so he's just That's going great. up to random people like, "Hey, does anyone does anyone want their? Do you want your twenty-five dollars back? You sure you want? Oh, you enjoyed the show. Like he knew that people wouldn't." say yeah give me my money back so he made this really cute little video it was very nice and i read that or heard that your father plays the ukulele which you know i when i when i i feel like former prime minister morrison really (laughs) he kind of ruined the ukulele for lovers of the instrument did your father have a reaction to that no i don't think he really cared but to be honest i don't know was the ukulele ruined before that (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry diana i'm sorry i know you play ukulele ukulele in my show (laughs) well come on i mean vance joy has made the ukulele very cool oh yeah three chords that whole song riptide don't you think yeah 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 um well he's a dad has actually moved on from the ukulele now he's playing a guitar he's oh yeah he's moved on so when i say oh how is are you still playing the ukulele oh no 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 i'm playing the guitar now (laughs) where where does he play the guitar is he a performer oh yeah he plays he he does like four or five open mics a week my dad he's he's touring he's touring more than you yeah Oh, he he plays like he was on the weekend. He played he plays the drums, you know, like the cahoon, the little um, bongo drum. He plays that in a band, and they played at some festival on the weekend. I got a picture from my cousin um, who was there and watched watched him. Uh, but yeah, he performs all the time. He so, loves it. That's, so loves I, it. you you talk a lot about your family in your shows, and mm. I was wondering how they go with that because I actually I, I heard um, uh, Maisha who's a singer on uh, Triple J the other day and she was talking about her mum was always like why do you have to write songs about me because I don't because mm. I hurt, <laughs> it hurts a bit <laughs> how, yeah. your, how does your family go um mum's probably the one that doesn't want to be involved she's like oh leave me out of it um but they all they all come off quite good um i think this year definitely the show is a lot about my family Mm. and yeah i I, they're okay with it they're 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 fine with it they've got good senses of humor my my mom's still waiting for a commission Uh, yeah she because i'm so inspired yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. she wants the money (laughs) yeah well that's it like i did think um in this show there's a big chunk about my brothers like 
it's probably like a good 10 to 15 minutes I would say and I do think oh gosh I probably should um give them some commission for that like (laughs) no no that's the benefit of growing up as your brother yeah that's it and I'm your younger sister so you know if you could have told little Lizzie that her future job would be paying out her brothers I think she would have done it a lot sooner to be honest (laughs) so then give me a little insight because I did not grow up with brothers what what is it like growing up Uh, with your brothers well what do you you share in your shows Oh, one brother is a lot older than me. So he, I can't really remember living with him that much. He was 11 years, he's 11 years older than me. But the one I did grow up with, uh, he's only two years older than me. Um, he, he's a PE teacher now. That's, that's all you need to know. <laughs> you know, he's a PE teacher and a YouTuber. Does that paint a picture? Like the guy is full on. He's he's always doing something and I was just that person that was, you know, there to do something with and I would just say, yeah, whatever you want, whatever you want to do, I'll do it. <laughs> so you were convinced to be an accomplice but uh, almost against your will? Oh, I don't think I had a choice. There was no, <laughs> yeah, there was no choice in the matter. So I, I would just do whatever. Like he um, he's a great athlete so I was always – okay, we're going to do obstacle courses. We're going to go down to the footy club. We're going to kick the footy. And like I'd be down, I just remember this one time I was down at the footy club, which was near our house. And he was, he taught me how to do everything. And he's like, okay, we're going to, we're not leaving until you do 10 good drop kicks. (laughs) And like we literally stayed there until I did 10. (laughs) And then we left. And like it wasn't even it was dark. I was like, I wanna go home. <laughs> but yeah, classic big yeah. brother stuff. Yeah. Mm. We'll head along and see uh Lizzie in which it's who cares this one. Yes? Yeah, this one's who cares. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. At Comedy Republic. If you are in Melbourne and of course check out Lizzie's work online. There's lots of YouTube clips actually. Of you doing some good yeah there's a few yeah. youtube um tiktok mm. instagram everywhere yeah all the all the everywhere really except twitter and linkedin that's one <laughs> that's enough yeah well, you're a linkedin superstar so there's only room <laughs> oh for sorry one. LinkedIn. you know i i shut down my linkedin when i quit my job my office job i logged out yeah how did that feel yeah. Felt pretty good actually. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I didn't want my my corporate work history to come up in my Google searches. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Lizzie, and all the best with we love oh. Comedy Republic. It's an amazing venue, so yeah, I'm glad you're heading down there. Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, you take care. Um, that brings us to the end of the show, Doss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Done. It's, it's done. <laughs> um, it's been lovely to have you and share and learn about moon, moon, full moon. I'll send, uh, you, a, I'll send you a message tonight about the full yes. moon parties. You'll like it. Yeah. Could be a good PD day. Oh, yeah. Well, so what, <laughs> what I need to learn what sort of intentions to set myself for the next month. Okay. I'll send it to you. All right. Okay. Thanks, All right. Don't. Well, um, we're going to be back with Broad Radio next Tuesday. We'll see you then. Come on, come on, come on.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.